0: Hi, I'm Craig.
1: And I'm Linda. And
0: this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com.
1: This week it's episode 265 and we're talking about where to stay when you travel.
0: That's right. There seems like there's a whole lot of options out there nowadays, doesn't it? In the past you had a, a hotel, a hostel or the beach. <laughs> it
1: really, It really does feel like there's so many more options these days. I can't believe it. I mean... There's guest houses and B&Bs. Okay, they've been around for ages. There's hotels, there's camping, there's couch surfing, there's Airbnb, there's apartment rental. It's just, it's mad. There are so many options. And they're all so exciting. I want to try them all.
0: (laughs) Today's podcast is sponsored by Intrepid Travel. They do small group sustainable travel and they've been doing it since 1989.
1: One really good thing about what they do is they've got an average group size of 10 and it's a maximum of 12 on on most trips, which means that you're not going around with a huge group of people. Remember when we were in Berlin and there were all those tour groups with like 40, 50 people and I just shuddered. It made me really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, we end up with someone just kind of shouting at the crowd rather than talking to people and yeah, I don't like it at all. So small group, all good.
1: Yep. They've got over 1,000 trips in 100 countries, and I was having a look at their website last night, and oh, it's terrible. It's really bad, actually, because there are so many options that it's almost overwhelming. So you really have to have an idea of where you want to go before you do, before you go on the website, because, oh my goodness, they've got them in, uh, in Africa, in Australia, New Zealand, Antarctica, Antarctica, can you believe it, the Middle East, Europe, South America, pretty much everywhere, I'd say, Asia as well.
0: And one thing that really ties in with what we're talking about today is their accommodation options. Uh, One thing they do well is focus on staying in local businesses, small businesses. And uh, so they've got a a good collection of unique hotels and hostels and guest houses in their network. So it's always somewhere interesting to stay.
1: Yeah, and they've got an emphasis on local, which um, not only provides a better experience for you, but it also allows Intrepid to give back to local communities.
0: Well, by the time you hear this, we will be uh, firmly ensconced on the Canary Islands, which will be our first time visiting them, and uh, our last week in Spain.
1: Yes, oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I was um, out this morning, and I I saw the cathedral. As we walked down our street, the the cathedral's at the end of it, and it's just a beautiful view, and I started to feel really sad, because I've only got three more days, or four more days of that view. (sighs) But then... (laughs) I mean, we've got the Canaries, which will be great, and then we're going to Austria, and and we're not quite sure what after that, actually. You know us, we're not very good at planning. (laughs) But we're very good at planning. We're also very good at changing our plans.
0: (laughs) I guess we'll just have to wait and see what comes next. Yeah.
1: And while we're on the Canaries, we'll be staying at a, at a yoga resort, which will be a new form of accommodation for
0: us. <laughs> Absolutely. I've never done yoga in my life, or if I have, uh, I've scarred it away. It's, it's blocked from my memory.
1: Yeah, I'll be really interested to see what kind of facilities they have. And I haven't really had a look at their website to see what's what's there. But uh, yeah, it should be really interesting.
0: Absolutely. Well, thinking about accommodation Even budget travellers now have a huge wide range of options and in fact I think there's more options at the the low and middle end than there are at the top where there hasn't really been that much movement.
1: Oh, Although there are some really beautiful top end hotels around there. I'd like to see some but you know that's not really our budget.
0: (laughs) Accommodation can make up a huge part of your daily budget if you let it. And also where you stay can make or break your experience of a place. You want to go somewhere that's at least comfortable and clean when you uh, finish your day's adventuring, even if it is just a bed for you and mm-hmm. the place you go isn't part of the experience itself. So it is definitely worth doing some research. And in this show, we're going to uh, briefly look over some of the options that are available and then talk about some of the benefits. Uh, I guess, decision-making processes, you might be asking. Uh, This show is going to be especially useful for people that haven't really traveled much before and don't really know what to expect or or how to make these choices.
1: That's right. I think a lot of people just book into a local branch of their their favorite hotel chain and leave it at that. And I think that's really sad. I mean, it's fine if you're working awesome, but if you're going to experience a place, hotels by their nature tend to be a lot more impersonal but there are lots more options, so um, let's walk through the different uh, the different options you have and then we'll talk about how to make a choice.
0: Okay, shall we start with sleeping rough? Yeah, we'll start at the, the, the bottom can <laughs> <end. laughs>
1: Okay, so um, depending on how you're travelling, you might actually end up staying in many different types of accommodation. And uh, one that you might choose, for example, if you have to take a Ryanair flight. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking about using this option because we... We're uh, flying into an airport late at night and I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get to the city. Anyway, the option is t- it's sleeping rough. So sleeping in the airport or maybe camping or just curling up in a bus shelter. We don't recommend that at all.
0: <laughs> no, I would recommend camping though. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it adds a lot to the weight of stuff you have to carry. If you're carrying around a tent, a sleeping bag, or even a uh, kind of a bivvy bag or outdoor kit, it's something that you're going to be doing not for general travel. It's something you're going to be doing specifically. So you go away for a a weekend or a week and and go hiking. So let's skip that and uh, move over to some more kind of long-term travel or, or holiday travel options.
1: One that's a really good option is a camper van or traveling by car. Especially in New Zealand. Whenever we travel around New Zealand, we always, well, we almost always use this option. Uh, you've got a car and you can have a tent in the car if you want and uh, you just travel around, you find a place to park or a place to put up your tent and there you are. You can stay in holiday parks. In New Zealand, there's lots of dock campsites, which are very basic campsites that just have a toilet and running water and it's it's my favorite way to travel. We also use uh, spaceships camper vans, which are A large car sized camper van so it drives like a car but it has a bed in the back and it's also got a DVD player so it's kind of advanced camping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's also something called glamping or sometimes tent safaris (laughs) or all sorts of names. These are uh, permanent tents I guess you could say that are set up for you and so it's like staying in a resort but you're sleeping surrounded by canvas instead of, uh, you know, sleeping in a, in a prefabricated house, which is often the other option.
1: Yeah, we've never done this, and we've heard that it can be quite expensive, so make sure you check out the prices before you book in. Um, another sleeping in vehicles kind of option is to sleep on a boat. Uh, you might go on a cruise ship, that could be quite expensive, or maybe a houseboat, like we did one time in France, that was really fun. Uh, again, it's not necessarily the cheapest option, but it's definitely an experience.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That was awesome. Another thing you might choose to do is stay in a hostel, and uh, there's kind of two options here. What's most likely, if you're young and and traveling solo, is that you stay in a dorm room with other travelers.
1: Now, the dorm rooms come in many different types, from something like a a four-person dorm, which was our preference when we were staying in dorms, to a 20 or 40 or 100 person dorm. Now, personally, I would never stay in a 100-person dorm, unless I was, ah, but we did stay in large dorms when we were walking the Camino de Santiago. So in that case, sure. But uh, if you're staying in a, a party hostel and you've got people coming in and out at all times of the night, it's not the most fun. On the, on the Camino, it was okay because everybody was in the same boat. We were all getting up at dawn to start walking for 20 to 30 kilometers.
0: <laughs> and then falling to sleep rather early the, right. uh, the next night.
1: So we didn't have problems with people coming and going during the night. Uh, so, yeah, that's one option, staying in a dorm room with other travelers. Or you could also book out a dorm room if you're traveling with a group. Like uh, we were in Prague once with there were five of us traveling together and we had a dorm room just for us and that was quite a good option as well.
0: Yeah if you're traveling as a small group of say I don't know three to eight people then you can often book out a room to yourself. Uh, Another thing for women travelers is that many hostels now are having women-only rooms and so that can be uh, I don't know maybe not any safer or anything like that I certainly wouldn't think so but maybe it might make you uh, a little bit more comfortable.
1: And men do tend to snore more, so you might get a bit more sleep. <laughs> Some of the hostels actually have whole women-only women floors with hair dryers and free cosmetics and things like that.
0: Yeah, the guys' section didn't have any cosmetics at all.
1: Well, uh. anyway. So, yeah, so we've already mentioned uh, having a private room for your group, but you could also have a private room if you're travelling as a couple or even if you're travelling alone. Many hostels these days have rooms especially for that, and they might even have um, an ensuite. When we stay in a hostel, and we still do, we always have a a private room these days because we've got a bit tired of uh, sharing with other travellers. I think we're just getting old. (laughs) I
0: think so. I think so.
1: But actually staying in a hostel in a private room is a really, really good option. It's a good alternative to a hotel because it's a lot less impersonal. Uh, You've got lots of facilities. Maybe there's a book exchange. Breakfast might be included. Wi-Fi is very often free as opposed to in a hotel where they still charge. I don't know how they get away with that. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of things.
0: I think one of the big advantages of the, uh, the hostel is the, the social life yes. around it. Meeting other travellers, catching up with, uh, with them, finding out where they've been, where they're going, and just kind of beating the jungle drums to figure out what's going on, what common scams are in the place you're about to go to, what's the great place that no one's heard of that everyone's going to. All that kind of stuff, which you lose as soon as you leave those environments. But one thing that you could do, which kind of flips that in its head, is go and stay with local residents. And there's a few different ways to do that, Um, either by couch surfing or something similar, or by renting a room in an apartment off of a local.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's services like Airbnb. Now, Airbnb does both apartment rental, where you get the whole apartment yourself, and also it, um, it has a service where you can rent a room within someone's house, which is similar to couch surfing, which... It's exactly the same but you don't pay. We've only done Airbnb staying with people once and it was, it was okay but we found it quite difficult to find the balance between how much time to spend with our host and and when to leave them alone because we had this um, kind of a, a contract with them we were paying them to stay there. With couch surfing we find it a lot easier because they're giving us something they're giving us the house well they're giving us a room in the house place to stay and so we want to give back to them. Uh, So we'll make them dinner or buy them a gift or take them out or something. And we have a lot more contact with them. So I I don't know. I I understand the couch surfing social contract more than I understand this. Staying with someone and paying Mm. kind of contract.
0: Well, then you've got... Apartment rentals as well, where you might have some contact with a local owner or you might have contact just with an agency Mm -hmm. or you might actually have no contact with anyone at all. So if part of your goal is to uh, do the talk with locals, get get good information, hang out with people, then they're not going to work so well. But you do end up with some beautiful places Mm -hmm. at prices that are much cheaper than hotel suites or anything like that. Um, go with O, we've used, and they were one of our sponsors on the indie Rail trip that we did last year. Um, they focus on the big cities in Europe, so if you're heading to Europe, they're a good option. Uh, another option, which is international, you're more likely to find things no matter where you go, is Rumorama, mm-hmm. and we've used them as well in Buenos Aires and had a, a good experience there. We actually because we booked so late, we couldn't get the place we wanted for the whole time, so we had to change neighborhoods halfway through our stay. And uh, but yeah, it it all worked out, and yeah, that was fine. just our late planning yeah. and then not wanting to move.
1: <laughs> that's right. So um, that's that's one option is to rent an apartment, and that can often be if you're staying for a long time or if you're a large group, that can be cheaper than than staying in a hotel room. I think renting an apartment is really great if you're a group of four to six people because you can get a room for each each of the couples or each of the people and you've got shared facilities there's almost always a kitchen so you can cook for yourself which can save a lot of money and it's just it's nice i mean it's quite social if you've got a lot of people together unlike having individual hotel rooms where you've all got to kind of sit on the bed there's no space for socializing
0: yeah, um, one thing we haven't mentioned which ties into this is organising house-sitting. Mm-hmm. Now, this is definitely for your mid- and long-term travellers. You yes. have to be going somewhere for at least a couple of months. um for oh, this to begin to work out Not necessarily, normally. I was having no? a look
1: on, on house-sitting websites, and quite a lot of the ones that were listed were just for a weekend or a week or something like that. Oh,
0: wow. But I if, really can't imagine getting someone house-sitting for a weekend.
1: I wouldn't. I guess that that's personally.
0: more, yeah. I
1: suppose it's uh, if you're in a city and, you know, you just need someone to look after your, your pets while you're
0: away for the yeah. weekend.
1: But, uh, yeah, and I agree. That's,
0: that's the trick with house-sitting. Often there's, uh, it's not just the house you're sitting, it's the dogs, the cats, that's the right. budgies, the, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, what we usually do is we if we're staying somewhere for a long time, is we just find an apartment uh, and pay and pay for it. So that's what we're doing here in Jerez. It's what we did in a Coruña. We really should look into house sitting because I think it would work well for us. Mm. But it really depends on where there are places available.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've mentioned staying with someone in terms of say couch surfing or Airbnb, but we haven't mentioned staying with someone like your uncle or mm-hmm. a friend. Or a friend of a friend of a friend. Or, <laughs> you know, all those personal contacts um, that you have in your extended network that you might not know about, it can be useful just to chuck out a message on uh, on Facebook or things like that. And as you're talking to friends about where you go, just mind them for contacts. Yeah. Even if you don't end up staying there, you might end up going out for a meal or a drink with someone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we first started traveling, we were in... Uh In the uk and we basically just stayed with relatives the whole time (laughs) it was good i mean it was great to catch up with them and spend some time with them and it also meant we had local contacts to show us around and tell us what we could do
0: yeah um oh i've just thought of something that isn't in our notes which is house swapping i think we keep forgetting this because we We don't don't have a house house. (laughs) but uh yeah there's uh house swap programs that you can find where you go and stay with one person and sorry you're going to stay in one person's house and vice versa often things like cars come with the deal as well so that's really good you know you swap and you you get your house or apartment in the city you want to go to and you've also got access to their vehicles
1: Mm -hmm. yeah our couch surfing family where we were staying in zagreb often do this they're a family of five so there's the mother and father and three kids and they often do house swapping So they go to someone's place and those people come to their place. And yeah, like Craig said, the the car comes with it.
0: Our last few options then, I mean, we've already talked about hotels, uh, would be guest houses and B&Bs and pensions and that kind of accommodation, which isn't quite a hotel and uh, is certainly not house-sitting.
1: No, but I really like staying in these small places that just have a few rooms. I uh, remember when we stayed in Moine, we stayed in this this small guest house that had about five rooms, and we had a balcony, and they gave us a kettle so we could make breakfast, and I had those uh, coconut cakes every morning, and it was great, and the, the uh, electricity went off for a, a day every week, but I think that was the entire, the entire yeah, town. The community
0: <laughs> lost power, yeah. yeah, the rolling blackouts. Probably my favorite place to stay in uh, B and Bs is in Britain because oh, yes. the uh, the second bees those breakfasts oh. are often not heart attack inducing, but you know
1: they're so great,
0: massive and fried and delicious.
1: I've stayed in a B and B a few times in New Zealand as well. They make some pretty good breakfasts.
0: Yeah, I, I just like that big fry up. I couldn't yeah. do it all the time, but uh, it's something I always look forward to.
1: Yeah, I definitely choose a B and B over a hotel.
0: Well, let's get on to talking about how to actually make some of these decisions uh, about yeah, where so you're options. going to stay. Because you, you know, there are there's so many options. Well, first of all, price isn't everything, but it is important. And wow, there's there's so many options around this, and price is often one of the most emotional things that you end up dealing with.
1: That's right. I mean. If you're considering a very cheap option, you need to realise that it's not going to be completely free no matter what you do. If you're camping, then you probably have to pay to get out to the campsite. Most cities don't have campsites right in the middle of town. If you're staying with someone, there's a social obligation to give something back. Either you have to prepare a meal or give them a gift. It's not going to, Well, you could just scrounge, but it's not very polite. <laughs> uh, if you are going to be paying for accommodation... Uh, when you're searching online feel free to order your results by price but whatever you do don't just choose the cheapest option just because it's the cheapest because it might be it well it might not be worth that money that you pay for it <laughs> and it might actually end up being more expensive when you take other factors into consideration and we're going to talk about those factors now
0: well one of them is how do you get to the place that you're meant to be going uh, you might save 20 bucks a night on the room but if it's going to cost you 20 bucks each way on the train to get uh, from where you're staying to where you want to be then you're you're losing both time and money
1: that's right location is very important a central location can save you can save you both time and effort and uh because you'll be so edit this because you'll be closer to the action and won't need to spend time traveling to and from the accommodation and uh Quite a lot of budget hotels are very cheap, but they're located right on the edge of town and are difficult to get to by public transport. I think they're really aimed at people with a car. So if you have a car, if you're travelling somewhere, that might be a really good option.
0: Yeah, that's that kind of edge of town motel or in Europe, like the Formula One hotels and things like that. Really cheap, but you really need a car.
1: Mm -hmm. So if you are looking at one of these kind of outlying options, check the location and check that you can get to and from it before you book.
0: Yeah, I guess related to that in a kind of weird way is getting to and from the airport. Oh, yeah. Um, because if you're flying in... If you're catching a train in, you normally end up in the centre of town and there's good transport connections from the train station. But airports can be really tricky because you arrive on the outside of town, mm-hmm. then you have to go into town to reach the transport hub, and then you have to go back out of town to get to wherever you're going. That's right.
1: And there are very, really cheap accommodation options near the airport.
0: Well, there are these kind of pod hotels now that are cropping up where you get enough room to lie down or maybe to stand up and turn around very, very slowly. Yeah, that's right. Um, And some of them are pay-by-the, I think, half-day or day options. And uh, they're really just a place to to nap or overnight. Um, And, yeah, they're, they're... Cheaper than traditional out-by-the-airport accommodation, um, but still not quite cheap enough to, uh, to make it realistic to stay there in such a small place. It's really just to help you if your plane gets delayed or mm-hmm. you need to uh, get to the airport the night before to catch an early morning flight. Yeah, In that case, it's a good option. Well, we've talked about sorting your online searches by price, but uh, also search them by rating oh, yes. to find out what, you know, first of all, get an idea of a reasonable price range for the city. Mm-hmm. And then you can uh, get an idea of what level of accommodation you're going to find. Now, online ratings are flawed, but they're as good as you're going to get. So
1: I don't know. When we've been to places that are low-rated... We've found that they deserve to be low rated and we've been to places that have been highly rated and they deserve that rating too. I mean, it's not an exact science, but it will give you an idea at least, as long as they've had quite a few ratings from different people. If there's only one, then it might not be the most representative.
0: We don't normally stay places that have less than three stars, so that's only a 60% positive rating, which is not very high, but we've decided that's kind of the floor. Yeah. Now that if if people won't at least go, yeah, I guess it was okay, and mm-hmm. give it three stars, then there's something seriously flawed about it. So yeah. so that's our our absolute no point. And but that still leaves you with about eighty percent of the places.
1: Yeah, it really depends. There's so many different styles of rating. You've got a percentage rating. You've got a, an out of ten rating. You've got a star rating. But yeah, that's our um, absolute minimum. I was on booking.com the other day and I was looking at some places and one looked really good, it looked fun, it looked like it was a good price, and then I noticed it was five point nine and it just immediately got eliminated from the from the options.
0: So we normally look for something in the eighty percent up. So mm-hmm. four point something stars out of five or eighty percent plus or yes. you know, eight out of ten being Eighty yes, percent. All yes. these star systems drive me crazy. <laughs> um, but one thing that we do, this just fits our travel style and what we're looking for. On sites like hostel bookers, for example, it's all broken up into things like um, security, location, um, cleanliness, fun. And the one that I always keep an eye on is fun. Yes. I don't care if the fun ratings kind of 30, 40, 50 percent um but I do care if the fun rating is like 99.9% <laughs> because that means I probably won't be getting any sleep. Um, something around that 80% mark there is is more of a happy medium for me.
1: Yeah, we, we have a look and maybe it's got quite a, an average rating. But then if it's got an average rating because the fun rating is really low, then we're happy with that. If it's got good location and good cleanliness and good staff,
0: awesome. Yeah, and I guess that's something to do with the fact that uh, we travel full-time and we work on the road, so we actually do need a bit of downtime as well as hanging out and socialising with people. Although, uh, when we're in the mood, we can be up for a a night at a wombat's hostel or something like that.
1: (laughs) It's also worth reading the reviews to see if there are any potential problems not addressed by the rating. I mean, this this fun rating will give you an idea, but other things that don't really come up in a number... A numbers game. Uh, for example, if the hotel is located in a noisy part of town, for example, or once we stayed in, in a place in London and the the dorm didn't have any curtains and there was a streetlight right outside, so the light just came shining in, it, perhaps that could have been addressed in the in the reviews. And another time we booked into a two-bed dorm in Kuala Lumpur, thinking that we got a great deal because, you know, a two-bed dorm, that's just the two of us, awesome, a private room for the price of two dorm beds. But the dorm wasn't a room at all. they just kind of set up some bunks in a secondary lobby. So you went into the main lobby and then you went up a few steps and there was this extra lobby which people had to walk through to get to the the lifts and the stairs to the other room. And uh, they'd surrounded them with room dividers. Yeah, it was was like
0: these, these plastic walls and doors and things that a good kick would have just opened up. So we're like... This has no security, no privacy, because there was no ceiling. Uh Um, It was just like, what the heck?
1: And no sound protection or nothing, nothing at all. So we got a little bit of privacy we could change. You know, it was kind of like being in a changing room. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, so when I went back to the website where I'd booked the room, I noticed that several customers had complained about this free issue. And if I had taken the trouble to read the reviews, I could have avoided a substandard night stay.
0: Yeah, but you know... Quite often well, when on that trip we were just hopping through. That's we just right. needed one place to stay for the night before we went somewhere else. Uh-huh. And then quite often we're like, I don't really care, just just book something. You know, it can yeah. be cheap, it can be a bit horrible. We're arriving at night, leaving in the morning. Just book it. Exactly. And, um, you know, Linda's been giving hostile examples, but these things have held true for all of the apartments we've stayed in, all of the hotels we've stayed in. The same issues come up. So don't only look at the ratings, read some of the reviews um, and take them all with a grain of salt and remember that there's agencies that, you know, put in bad reviews for competitors mm-hmm. and good reviews for, uh, for their clients and things like that. So read a few and try and get a, a balanced view of, of what's going on and what people are saying.
1: And the same holds true for couch surfing or Airbnb. Read the references. The host profile will give you some idea of what to expect, but the references will tell you what the experience of staying with them is like. Uh, if there are any negative references, well, read them. And think carefully before sending a request, but also be aware that, like Craig said, there are people who will just post negative references for the fun of it.
0: Yeah, or not so much on something like couch surfing, where the reference system becomes a really good safety net. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you have to do is look at that and uh, kind of read between the lines, because people tend to be quite polite on couch surfing and and see if if that three star review or that average trust rating Mm -hmm. is. Because of something real or just because, um, well, not for something real. I mean, sometimes you just don't get on with someone. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're a bad person or anything like that. You just don't gel. Mm -hmm. And so that can affect the, uh, the, the review system. So, yeah, it's a bit more personal.
1: That's right. Okay, moving along. When you're looking at booking accommodation that uh, has facilities. What facilities are there? <laughs> yeah. For example, a swimming pool. If you don't like swimming, don't let the fact that the hotel has a pool persuade you to stay there because they'll be advertising it all over the place. Be like pool, pool, pool. But And you think, oh, it's got a pool. But if you're not going to use it, it shouldn't matter. <laughs> quite often, I mean, we find ourselves doing that and I think everyone does that. You think, oh, that's quite good. Oh, that's something else. Oh, that's something extra. Yeah. And also, I mean, once we stayed in a place... The deciding factor was it had a gym and we hadn't done any exercise for ages. Oh my goodness, it was the worst gym in the entire world.
0: <laughs> it wasn't a gym, it was a couple of weights. <laughs> it was,
1: it was a, a cupboard with a couple of weights in and a, a dilapidated cycling machine. So... You know, if you if you go somewhere based on the facilities, just uh, do a little bit of digging to see that those facilities actually exist.
0: Yeah. I mean, We've gone to places that have pools advertised, and you get there <sighs> and it's uh, drained yes. and empty. Oh, that was the worst. Like, oh. oh, come on. I, I came here for that. I was actually actively looking forward to using your pool, yeah. and you didn't have the courtesy to put a sign up on your, you know, booking partners. It's one change in the database to go... Pool is currently under repairs. Yeah. Thanks. And you
1: might actually even still stay there, but you'd, you'd arrive knowing what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, facilities that might be looking out for um, are a kitchen, so mm-hmm. you can make your own food, uh, a bar or restaurant... Uh, in-room safe is pretty standard uh, in hotels and guest rooms but not, but so, much in not hostels. so much in hostels and the thing in hostels to look for is are there lockers to mm. lock your bags up and
1: and are they in the rooms or are they outside of the
0: rooms mm. and uh, then uh, laundry is a big one especially if you're traveling long term mm. and you know, in Europe quite often places that have laundries will just charge one or two euros, like one euro for a wash, one euro for a, a run in the dryer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other places it will be included completely free. Normally yeah, like not when in we stayed hostels. In Florence but yeah. In the
1: well, sometimes in hostels it is. Yeah, but not normally. But where we stayed in Florence with uh, Go With o, they had a really nice laundry room downstairs in the basement. And it was all completely free, which was great because we hadn't done any laundry for some time. <laughs> that was, and then somehow we managed to get mud all over our trousers or something. I don't I, know.
0: I felt like I ended up living in that laundry room. <laughs> because we arrived on day one after a couple of weeks of travel and, you know, just chucked everything in there. And then um, the next day, yeah, we got mud on our trousers and I spilt something on my jacket. So we did another load and then we had been there for a week and it was time to to leave so we washed everything again so I cleaned clothes <laughs> for the next couple of weeks um, but yeah I, I felt like I lived there and uh, they certainly didn't save any money on us having the uh, access to the laundry but also, it they was had,
1: wonderful. They had dryers, that's one of the reasons, we had to keep going there and back to check on our drying.
0: That's right. That was that's the main right.
1: thing, it wasn't like we went down, put it on, <laughs> went back and hang it, hung it out, no no, we're going back and forth every half hour to check the laundry and the dryer.
0: Um, so Nick, what breakfast and what breakfast do you get? <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is what extras do you get? But my, my eyes were just drawn to that line as I started thinking about fried bacon and eggs and sausages and
1: oh. Sounds like it might be lunchtime.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so.
1: So, what extras do you get?
0: Well done. You did that very well.
1: For example, is breakfast included in the price?
0: Mm, I wonder.
1: (laughs) And if it is, what is it? Because we've stayed in places that advertise breakfast and you get, uh, well, white bread and once sat next to jam, you know, that kind of red, luggy Mm. stuff that that doesn't actually have any fruit content and, you know, actually there's absolutely no nutrition whatsoever in the breakfast that's provided.
0: I don't think Oliver Twist would have asked for more.
1: (laughs) Probably not. But then again, sometimes breakfast is included. And, oh, that place where we stayed in, um, in Prague, Fusion Hotel, Fusion Hostel, they had a very, very good breakfast.
0: They did indeed.
1: One of these, you know, like three uh, benches full of stuff. You had six different cereals to choose from, hot things, different types of coffee and tea. It was Mm, fresh pastries
0: from the bakery. And yeah, (sighs) it was a great breakfast. Well worth staying there in Prague. Um, You might get a free drink on arrival. Oh, yeah. That's always a favorite. If you walk in and check in and get handed a, uh, a voucher for the bar before you walk up to your room, it's always nice to come back down and get a couple of glasses of wine or a bottle of beer and sit on the balcony. Yeah.
1: In a hotel, you might get free toiletries. That doesn't usually happen in a, in a hostel, unless you're staying at one of those ones that's uh, got a, a female floor and you get the cosmetics.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are people listening going, where are these hostels?
1: There's one in Melbourne. Remember we visited it.
0: Yeah. What's a it lot called? of the... Uh, it's part of the base chain. Ah, yes. Uh Which are kind of... Yeah. I think they're owned by a, a hotel company. But there's a, a chain of them called Base around Australia and New Zealand. And, uh, yeah, some of them have these uh, kind of all-female zones.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Uh well, we're talking about what extras you get. If you're staying with couch surfing, the free extra is the contact with the local person, which in my opinion is is priceless. It's worth more than even a very good breakfast.
0: Mm. <laughs> and then again, you might be surprised at what isn't included in the price of your room. Uh, I mean, breakfast is always a nice add-on, but you might have to pay extra for sheets. In some places, mm-hmm. uh, having a shower is an additional extra, or a, a towel.
1: Mm-hmm. And many hotels still charge for Wi-Fi. Although we tend not to stay at places like that, no, they would
0: <laughs> bankrupt us very quickly if we were paying twenty dollars a day Wi-Fi surcharge per device. Well, um, it's just insane.
1: As soon as we see that they don't have internet or that they charge, well, it depends. If it's a a token charge like one one euro, then we might do it. If it's a really really good place, but um, if they if they're charging per hour or something like that, then no, we mm.
0: don't do it. Normally, if you're uh, booking online through an aggregator, the uh, the local taxes will be included. Uh, but sometimes you'll see advertised prices on other sites that don't include mm-hmm. local taxes. And uh, this really seems, well, it really hit me when we were in the States last time, it was just, okay, there's the price, good, okay, we'll take it. And then all of a sudden, all of these extra charges get added on. You're like, wait, no, we're not taking it. When <laughs> the total price we're willing to pay is yeah. what we agreed on. We're
1: not used to thinking like that. I think in the States they're used to it because all of the prices are listed pre-tax and yeah. they have to do the math. And, and that.
0: without resort fees. I
1: don't think we can travel in the States yet, Craig. We're not ready for <laughs> <We're> it. not <laughs> ready, man. <laughs> but yeah, we're just used to seeing the price and going, right, that's the price, and then, and then paying for it. Yeah. But... Uh,
0: Another extra is uh, security deposit, mm-hmm. which comes into play if you're doing things like the, uh, the house swaps, the apartment rentals, uh, sometimes with the kind of rumorama, go with O, oh, Airbnb. Really depends on the, the owner because these sites are just um, conglomeration sites. They pull everything together for you. Um, but it really depends on the owner of the property what kind of uh, security deposit they're after. Uh, We found quite interestingly, quite a lot would, um, they're they're just people with rooms, so they don't have things like credit cards, Mm -hmm. but they might ask for a deposit of several hundred dollars um, in cash or through PayPal. Now, handing someone a bunch of cash, I mean... If they've got several reviews, they're not just going to run away. This is their business. This mm-hmm. is, you know, a big part of their livelihood. But I still feel really uncomfortable with, you know, handing over 300 US dollars in cash to someone. That's right. Well, when we so... stayed with
1: Rumorama in Buenos Aires, we just chose one that didn't require a security deposit. Yeah. Because was... we felt so uncomfortable about giving over so much money. Yeah. I think if we were staying for a long time, then it would be a bit different mm. because, you know, the chance. If you did lose the money, it would be absorbed into the cost of the the stay. Sure, but like if you're here staying in, for three days. <laughs>
0: yeah, i mean, here in Jerez, we We're staying for three months, and we paid a three hundred dollar bond. But yeah, in Buenos Aires, we were only staying in the apartment for three nights. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, the, the bond was eight hundred. Yeah. Eight
1: hundred dollars. Yeah. And um, well, we're publishing our Buenos Aires book this week, and one of the things that the author Stephanie talks about is that, well, in Buenos Aires, people aren't necessarily the best about giving back the security deposits. So it's something to think about. If you're staying for a long time, then, well, a security deposit is, is quite reasonable. But if you're only staying for a short amount of time, you might want to consider a place that doesn't require such a large security deposit.
0: Oh, we've been talking for a long time about this. If you've got any additional questions that we haven't answered or you've got some some fun stories to tell, drop by the site, IndieTravelPodcast.com. And you'll find the show notes by searching for where to stay when you travel.
1: Well, today's podcast is sponsored by Intrepid Travel. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, they're big on small group sustainable travel and they've been running since 1989.
0: One thing that we like about them is their support for local communities. Mm. Not only uh, using local businesses over international chains whenever possible, but also uh, their non profit and their extra work.
1: And Travel is great for indie travelers as well, because you've got freedom and flexibility, but with the safety net of local guides who understand local customs and the language. I think it's great uh, if you're heading off and you don't have a lot of time to do the planning yourself, or if you're just not interested in delving into the deep deep depths of madness (laughs) and if you don't speak the local language and it's just all just a bit too difficult then going on one of these small group trips is definitely a very good option.
0: Yeah the trip that we did from Buenos Aires up to Rio was certainly like that. Uh, We'd traveled quite a bit in South America by that stage but we found that travelling with the uh, with the group actually saved us a whole load of time. Oh, we yeah. did a basics trip, so it was um, accommodation and transport included. But what it meant was we didn't spend an hour a day researching what bus to catch the next day. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to get to the bus station early to make sure we got tickets. We didn't have to. There was just so many things that added up. Uh, around our transport especially um, that just saved us like an hour a day and a whole lot of stress.
1: Yeah, we'd done a similar trip a year or a year and a half before and we we really felt the difference. We had Mm. a lot less stress just knowing (laughs) that we could get up in the morning and the guide was going to do it all for us. On our trip there were a lot of single female travellers as well and I think they liked the security that being in a group gave them. And there was another couple who just only had two weeks holiday a year and they just didn't have time to prepare their trips. So they they were going with the, I just can't do it, uh," (laughs) kind of side of things.
0: And to wrap it all off, they carbon offset all of their trips. So as well as looking after local businesses, they're looking after the local environment as well. Go check them out at uh, intrepidtravel.com or you can come to the Indie Travel Podcast and click through the links there. Hey, before we go, if you come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash accommodation, we've got some links there for our hostel booking partners, hotel booking partners, and also for the, uh, the apartment rentals and couch surfing and everything we talked about today. If you go and book through those links, we get a commission and we get to stay traveling, which is always a good thing. We like um, We do indeed. So please do that. And there's options there for insurance, for flights, for everything like that as well. And we're beginning to uh, slowly but surely work back through the backlog and put up some reviews of accommodation options on the new reviews.ndtravelpodcast.com So come and check that out. And if you'd like to become a reviewer or you're a uh, business listening to this and you've got a product for us to review, there's options there to do that as well.
1: It's very exciting. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.